We, uh, we've been going through Colossians, and uh, for some of you that might have been taking bets as to whether there was anything left in Colossians, because we did go right down to the last verse, there's still some juice we can squeeze out of this. We got one more verse, and then we'll see where the Lord takes us. But I'd like to focus tonight on, that, on the last uh, sentence, the last blessing in the book of Colossians. I'm going to pull this mic back a bit, Brian. In fact, the last verse in the book of Colossians, it's in Colossians 4.18. And I want to talk to you a little bit about a pattern that you're going to see throughout the letters in the Bible. Now, when I say the letters, um, I'm talking about in the New Testament, much of the New Testament, uh, for those of you that may or may not know, the first four books are the Gospels, right? So that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's, that's the stories of Jesus, right? And then what do you have? After you've got the Gospels, you've got the book of Acts. You've got what God did through the apostles. And then you've got letters. From Romans all the way to 3 John, you have letters from Paul, Peter, Jude, John, James, all of these apostles. You've got letters written to the churches. And in these letters, they're very personal. In these letters, sometimes they're short, sometimes they're long. But they contain... Uh, Different parts of the heart of God towards us. And so then when we get to, especially in Paul's letters, uh, there's opening, I mean, he always opens with an introduction of who's writing. I don't know if you know that, you've probably noticed if you've read these letters in the Bible, you've, you've noticed that they sign their name at the beginning, which makes a lot more sense to me than, than the way we do it. We sign it at the end. So if you, if you start reading a letter without knowing who it's from, you've got to wait till the end. Uh, whereas back then they said, this is who it's from. So that, you know, that makes more sense, right? You, you start with who it's from, and then you, uh, you read the rest of it. But in all of these letters, there is not just an introduction. There's actually a blessing given. Which, I, I mean, there's something so powerful about that, because I believe that as people of God, we've got the Word of God, we've got the Spirit of God. I don't believe we need to waste uh, waste these opportunities. And I believe that no word is wasted. And so when you see the Apostle Paul use the introduction to give a blessing, know this, he's not just being polite, right? A blessing is not a polite, just little bit of etiquette. If, if the blessing of God ever becomes just etiquette to you, then, then take a step back and think about the power that God gave you to bless, Right? So somebody sneezes, you say, bless you. Think about what you're saying. Think about what you're saying. Let's never let the powerful blessing of God be taken lightly. That's right. I, and now, I don't want your response to be, okay, I'll stop saying bless you. No, keep saying it, but mean it. Mean it. Think about the power. James said, he said, how can fresh water and, and, and salty water come out of the same spring? He says, he says, how could we bless our God and our Father and then curse our brothers with the same mouth? He says, these things should not be so. So what he says is, instead, let your mouth be solely for blessing. Now, he wouldn't have said that if, the, if, if your ability to bless didn't matter. If it was just something polite, then it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter if you blessed and cursed because none of it means anything and God will bless who he wants to bless and it doesn't matter what I say. That's absolutely not true. God has put in us the ability to carry the blessing of God and to give the blessing of God. 
And that's not just New Testament, although I believe it's more uh, real and powerful because we have the Spirit of God and because Jesus has done the work. But even in the Old Testament, even in the Old Testament, the priests were instructed, the preachers of the day, the leaders of the day were brought together and were given the instruction every time that you get together and, and you do this, then you speak this blessing over the people. And there was a blessing they spoke over the people when the people gave their offering. And there was a blessing when they sent them away. They were taught to be people of blessing. So Paul opens his letters with an introduction, but often a blessing. And maybe it'll sound familiar to you. Sometimes he says, grace and peace be to you. Sometimes he says something about grace and love. Sometimes he says something about mercy. But in every case, he always says something about grace. Sometimes it's love, peace, and mercy, but always grace to you. And then at the end of these letters, you'll notice a theme. And almost all of them, he ends with some version of the grace of God be with you. So often the letters start with grace to you and ends with grace with you. Now we can just walk away and say, well, that's just his habit. He's just being polite. It's all coincidence. Or we can say there's something to that. And, as, and, and, and I'm going to go a little bit further and say, if you're wise tonight, there's more to it than just, okay, we should bless people. I think this should affect how you read these letters. It should affect how you read these letters. Let me ask you a simple question that doesn't really have a right or wrong answer. But why is it that at the beginning he always says grace to you and at the end he always says grace with you? Right? So why doesn't he mix it up every now and then? Let me just put a theory to you. Let me just put my perspective to you. Now, you can have yours, but this is mine. I believe that when you read what he's about to write, he wants you to read it from the perspective of this is God's grace to you. That as you read this word, grace is ministered to you. Now, what are we talking about? What, what are we talking about when I say grace to you? I'm talking about what God does, what he can do. I can't do it. He can do it. So God's grace to me is his power, his ability, his favor, his anointing. It's, it's what God wants to do for me, through me. It's the free gift of God. So when I say grace to you and then I begin to preach, what I'm saying is that everything I'm about to preach May it minister grace to you because the Bible says only speak such a word that can minister grace to the hearer. What does that mean though? What does that mean when you're reading your Bible? See, if you read it that way and said, this is supposed to minister grace to me, then, then here's, here's the two ways you could read the Bible. You can read the Bible and say, I read the Bible and it tells me what to do. It tells me what I need to do. It tells me how I need to do it. And I understand that perspective and there's some truth to that. But let me tell you, if you, if you just do it with that attitude, you're going to get exhausted. You're going to find that you fall short. You're going to find that you can't do everything that it says. You're going to find yourself inadequate. But if you say, I am reading this to find out what God can do to me, through me, for me, with me, I'm not out of the equation. I'm, I'm, I'm in this, right? But when I read the scripture, I'm saying, God, God, what can you do? 
What can you do with me? What can you do through me? What can you do for me? What can you do around me? All of these things that you're focusing when you read his word, it's about what God can do a lot more than what you can do. It's about what you can do through him, but it's about what he can do. And that gets exciting, right? When you read the Bible and, and you're just saying, man, oh, I got to look at all these things I have to do. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm scared. I'm, I'm stressed. I, I don't know. This, I, I thought I was doing fine until I read more of the scripture and then I realized I'm not doing half the things then you just go way down and burdened down. But if you say this, ah, I read this and I find out, every time I read it, I find out something new that God can do and that God wants to do and that God is, 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 is able and willing to do and he wants to do it through me. He wants to do it with me. He wants to do it for me. I, I, and so then we stop living for God and we start living from God. Right? Now we're still living for him. That's not wrong to say. But even when we're living for him, we're really living from him. And these are simple things, but if these are the simple keys that you base everything you do on. Right? Like nothing in the Bible works. Nothing in the Bible has any life or power in it without him. Right? That's simple. That's not controversial. Nobody throws rocks at me for saying that. We all believe that. It's in the practical. It's in doing it. That sometimes we drift into the, oh, man, these are more things I've got to do instead of these are more things God can do. So he says, grace to you. In fact, at the beginning of Colossians, let me read what he says here. He says, Paul, he says, I'm Paul, apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Grace to you. Now, let me say this again. This is not etiquette, even though you might say, well, it is polite. Sure, but it's not about being polite. How, how many of you notice that if you come to church and just do things to be polite, it comes off as fake? Do you know what I'm saying? Now, I, I personally believe there's a lot to be said for good etiquette. Good etiquette at its base is loving your neighbor, right? Yeah, good etiquette is really about loving your neighbor. You're saying like, you know, I, I'm not going I'm, I'm to slurp my food at your table because I, I love you and I know that would annoy you. Or <laughs> I'm, I'm going to respect and honor you. It's about showing honor and love to people. But it, also here's the deal. If you had etiquette without love, then it just comes off as fake and plastic. And when we come to church, the Bible says, let your love, let there have a sincere love for the brothers and sisters. So nothing we do is just to be polite. Everything we do has life in it, right? I mean, that goes, when we go around and, and we shake hands, you know, have you ever, you don't get to stand back like I do. I get to stand back and watch. And what I'm seeing is the life of God, almost like, Almost like microbes in a Petri dish, just moving around. And you, yeah, that, that might not be the most flattering thing I could say to you. <laughs> yeah, butterflies, sure. <laughs> but there's life. Ladies and germs, there's life. I, I, I stand back and I look and I see the life of God in unexpected ways. And I see the love of God and, and I see people who just don't want to sit down yet. One more person across the room I, I haven't seen all week. I just want to tell them I love them. You know, that's not 
us being polite time. That is a genuine demonstration of the love of God that gives value to your neighbor and gives value to your brothers and sisters in Christ. I think that's the coolest thing in the world. So I believe that when Paul writes letters like this, what does he say? All scripture is inspired, literally in the Greek, it says God breathed by the Holy Spirit. It is Holy Spirit breathed. So I don't think there's any room for just mere formalities. I think when he says grace and peace to you, it is a blessing. It is an impartation. And you should receive it. Because grace must be received. Grace is given freely, but it has to be received, right? That's how you got saved. God's grace was sufficient for you. It was abundant to you. But you had to, by faith, receive it, right? Well, it's the same way. When someone blesses you, receive it. When God speaks blessing to you, receive it. When he speaks peace to you, receive it. And understand that when he says grace and peace to you, he is saying right now I am praying and I am speaking to you that, that, that the word of God that's going to be spoken throughout this letter would bring grace into your life. That when you hear it, you would say that's possible through God. I can do that. God can do that through me. And that peace would be imparted to you, that shalom, that, that wholeness, that peace that God promises that you could never get on your own. And I love that because that's what we're meant to freely give. You know, Jesus, when he sent his disciples, he told them, when you come into a, a city and someone receives you in their house and, and they receive the gift that God put in you and they receive the gospel, he says, let your peace rest on their house. I mean, to them, they would have heard it how he would have said it, which was, you know, in Hebrew or Aramaic, let your shalom. And the biblical idea of peace or shalom is just a perfect wholeness, a completeness. He says, let your, let your peace rest. So that means I carry peace that's meant to be given. Right? We talk about Jesus in the boat sleeping during a storm. And it's not just because he's a narcoleptic and he can't wake up. It's not because he's oblivious and doesn't know there's a storm. It's because he has perfect peace. So what does he do when he gets up and they're freaking out? And they're like, Jesus, we're dying. There's a storm. Don't you care that we're dying? What, 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 are you so robotic and cold that you don't care we're dying? And Jesus stands up and he looks out at the wind and the waves and he goes, peace. What he had, the peace he had within himself, he released to the storm. He released what he had. And the wind had peace. And the waves had peace. And what perfect timing for the air conditioner to stop. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's great timing, right? <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And so you have that. Freely you've received, now freely give. When you understand that you have been given the love of God, that you've received the love of God, then you can freely give love to people. When you understand that you've been blessed by the Lord, the scripture says we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Now, when he says, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, some people think, well, then I guess I'll only see it. I, this, it's nothing I'll ever physically see. No, every spiritual blessing, everything that we experience physically here has its beginnings in the spirit. So every spiritual blessing, of course, it's going to affect your life, right? 
It covers everything, and we've already been blessed with it through Jesus Christ. So now give it away. And I believe that the way I'm meant to read Colossians is from that attitude of this is grace to me. So when I read, for this purpose I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me, that's in Colossians 1 verse 29. When I read that, how do I need to read that? I need to read that as God, when he speaks, the grace of God accompanies the voice of God. When God speaks, the power of God is there to do it, right? That's how the world was created. When God spoke, things happened. That's how Lazarus was raised from the dead. When God spoke, Lazarus came back from the dead. I know I've used this example before, but sometimes we think that the Bible is there to convince us to do something. But if that's the case, if that's all it is, then Jesus would have had to convince sick people to be better. He would have had to convince dead people to come back to life. And you guys know you can't do that, right? You can't talk somebody in. Just try it. Go to the hospital. Tell them what a drain they are to the system. Tell them, you know, you realize if you got better, we, our taxes wouldn't have to pay for you staying in this bed. So why don't you just buck up and get better? <laughs> I, I want to be better. I, I, I wish I could. Well, you just need to try harder, young man. Here you are dying in a bed that could, somebody else could be using this bed. And don't you know your family has better things than to visit you? I mean, like, if you could convince someone to get better, we would do that but it doesn't work. So why do I think, why do we think that, say, a preacher could get up here and convince you to do better without the power of God? Yeah. Well, if I just convince you, you'll do better. Uh-uh. We're not playing with just the will here. Will is involved, but the will is not the power. The will is the switch, right? Uh, that light switch doesn't power these lights. Like, it's not the kinetic energy of flipping a switch that powers the lights. The light switch merely opens up the power, right? It opens up a circuit that the light can come, right? So all I'm doing is, when I'm flipping a light switch, it activates something, but it's not the source of the power. In the same way, your will is a light switch. Your faith is a light switch that says, okay, I believe that, yeah. But it's not the source of the power. The source of the power is Christ himself. The source of the power is God. This is it. So when I get up and preach, here's what I believe. I don't believe I'm here to convince you. I'm here to speak the word of God. And when the word of God hits you and you believe it, grace meets faith. And when grace meets faith, stuff happens. People are healed. People are changed. People are transformed. That's why Paul said, when I come to visit those super apostles, those slick willies, when I come to visit them, he says, I'm not going to check out their messages. I'm not going to check out how fancy their words are. Because the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of words, but a kingdom of power. You understand? He says, I don't care how good of communicators they are. I want to see if there's power when they speak. And what we're, we're talking about is that when we preach this word with grace and faith, power is there to do it. I, 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 I've, I've held this in my heart so close. I remember, I remember one time in Loon Lake, there was a lady who um, just, you know, she had had such a, a rough uh, upbringing. 
everything that could have happened to her while she was a little girl and a, and a teenager happened to her, abuse of every form. And by the time she was an adult, she was so confused about her identity and who she was and how she felt. She didn't know who she was. She struggled with all sorts of thoughts of how, who am I and how do I feel. And at one point, she just sent me a message and said, you know, I just want someone to tell me the truth. I don't know what to do with the way I feel. I don't know how I feel. I, I just want someone to tell me the truth. Her, her, her identity, her sexuality, she's so confused about it. And she said, you know, I just, what does God want with me? I just want someone to tell me the truth. And I told this lady, because really what had happened was, it was the word of God that sparked something in her, where she started to ask the questions. And it was the love of God. You see, when she came to the family of God, she felt love all the time. Do you know what I mean? And it was real love. And you see, you're talking about someone that felt such abuse all her life, that to feel real love is a dramatic thing. But sometimes, some of you may have experienced this, when you are not used to experiencing real love, sometimes your first instinct is to draw back because you it's a bit abrasive, isn't it? Like, is this real? Are you guys really love me? And you try to poke it a couple times to see if it's real. You test the boundaries. You see if maybe you can push somebody away, and if they come back, then okay, maybe I'll know it's real. So maybe you do something really stupid because you're just not convinced that they really love you. And she started asking these questions. I remember at the time, I was, I was really new at <laughs> pastoring, and I didn't really know. I was like, boy, because she just had a, a bundle of issues, and I didn't know where to start. I asked one of my mentors, I said, you know, what would you say to this lady? And he said, you know, the grace of God always follows the voice of God. He said, notice how she's hearing the word, and it sparked something in her. When she hears God's voice, and she has, tell her that she heard God's voice. She heard it in his word. She saw it in his word. Now that she's heard the voice of God, now that God has spoken, there's power to do it. It's just like the man who couldn't walk. And Paul saw that he had faith to be made healed, so he said, get up and walk. What happened there? The word of God created strength in that man's legs. The word of God pulled Lazarus out of the tomb. And so what can the word of God do for you and through you? When I read, for this purpose I labor, striving, those first few words make it sound like I'm just doing the work, right? But then you read the rest of it. For this purpose I labor, striving according to his power. Not striving according to mine according to his power, which mightily works within me. And when I hear that, through the eyes of I am receiving the grace of God, every verse I read has the power to change me because it's God doing the work. Right? I mean, would you guys be here if you didn't believe that to some degree? You don't have to answer that question, all right. I'm going to read you something from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. It's one of my favorite foundations for preaching. This is why I can get up and preach with confidence. Because like it or not, I'm not here to lawyer you into the faith. Right? 
like to back you into a logical corner where you can't get out. Because there's no power in that. Just try winning someone to the Lord that way. <laughs> you may wear them down mentally, but there's no faith. Nothing more than a mind against a mind rather than a spirit with a spirit. Here's what happens in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 13. For this reason, we, we constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, so the word of God heard must also be received, right? You accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. So here's how a lot of believers, we sometimes drift into this way of thinking. The word of God was preached to me. Now I must perform the word of God, right? It was preached to me. Now I got to do it. I got to perform it. But actually the scripture says it this way. The word of God, you received it as a word from God. And when you received it as a word from God, it performed its work in you. The word did the work, right? Why? Because it was a word from God. And the word from God created the universe. And the word from God made dead people come alive. And the word from God made light come out of darkness. And the word from God made blind eyes to see. So what could the word of God do in me? Right? When, if Jesus were here right now and said, be healed, be set free, come back to life. Do any of you think, do any of you think that you'd walk out of here unchanged? No. But part of that, the power is in Jesus, but part of that is how you received it. And when you say, okay, I believe that. So Jesus always told the people to do something, you know, like pick up your bed and walk. Go to the pool over there and wash that mud out of your eye. Hey, uh, go, to the, go to the chief priest and show them that you're, that your leprosy's gone. And when they left Jesus, their leprosy wasn't gone. But on the way, they got healed, right? So Jesus always gave them something to do to activate their faith. And that's the way we got to treat the word of God. I'm going to go and do what I heard, but I'm going to do it in my own strength. Just any more than the lepers could make themselves clean again. They couldn't do it, but God did it, right? If I'll receive the word that way, then grace to me as I hear it. Grace to you as you read it. Grace to you. So I'm, I'm reading this and going, this is what God can do in me. This is what God wants to do through me. This is what God wants to do for me. This is what God has already done for me. And when I read the word like that, it's alive. And nothing's impossible. And the new believer who's been two days into it, like they're just fresh, has the same access to this power as the believer that's been saved for 75 years. That's the coolest thing. It's, God's not a respecter of persons. He's not, a, he's not picking favorites. He's not saying, well, this is only for level five Christians. And if you're not level five, get out, you know? You got to have clearance for this. Don't listen. Now let's read the, the end of that letter again in Colossians 4. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. So if grace to you at the beginning is meant to change the way you hear this letter, 
May grace come to you through the word of God. As you hear the word of God, grace is being imparted to you. The power is being imparted to you to do it. The strength, the favor, the anointing of God, the healing, the peace, all of that comes through the word of God. Now, now that you're done reading the letter and the scroll is rolled up and put away, grace be with you. Go in grace. Go in peace. Do it in the power of God. What a great way to send out the congregation. What a great way to dismiss the letter. Grace with you. Grace to you, now grace with you. You know, I, I was with some fellow pastors and ministers this week. Just got back in time to pick up my son from school and then come to church here tonight. I was in Edmonton with them and um, we had some folks from Saskatchewan from Alberta getting together and uh, sharing the word. And uh, One of my friends was, was talking about a book they had read that, that talked about the power, the importance of words like with. Am I doing this with God? Or am I just doing this for him or towards him? Am I doing life with God? And that's also what I had said earlier. Am I doing it for him or from him? Am I over or under? Like, you know, where is this? How, how do I view my relationship with God as I live life? And the book was talking about the importance of, of that word with. Of working with God. Of loving with God. Of walking through life with God. How Jesus was God with us. How important that is. You just think about the fact that he just said, grace be with you. As you go, may the grace of God go with you. And so you're, you know, when this letter was read, this is how they do it. They get a letter from Paul. And, and I don't know if the leader snuck a preview, probably, right? <laughs> That's what I would have done. <laughs> I'd have been like, I'm not saving this till the church gets together. I'm reading it right now. Uh, and then, you know, one of the privileges of maybe being a pastor, I don't know. Uh, but then they'd get together, and they'd open the letter and say, our beloved brother Paul sent us a letter. Let's read it publicly. Okay, let's read this together. And when you roll up that scroll and you put it away, these people were going back into a world where they were often persecuted. They were going into a world where all the force of hell was trying to stop them from walking out the call of God. They're going into a world of darkness bringing light. They're going into a broken world with the wholeness of God to impart to it, right? So they're not going into a playground. They're not going into a laboratory to test this out. They're going into the real world, real people, real issues. And theory isn't going to cut it. And... <laughs> and the, the, the governor that's putting you on trial or your coworker that thinks you're a loon or, or your family that's kicked you out of the house, none of these people care if you can win Bible trivia. They're not impressed. I used to invite my friends over because I was the one kid on the block who had Bible Nintendo games. <laughs> Anybody remember these? Freemans, do you remember those? Bible Nintendo games were the funniest thing because they were like a different color. They weren't officially licensed. 
<laughs> he, he like had to shove them in the console a different way. But my friends would come over and be like, you have games I've never seen before. What is this? And I had this game called Joshua that I loved. And it, back, it was like the original Nintendo where they kind of did, they were just learning how to do voice on, uh, uh, on a 16-bit machine. You know what I mean? So it, it's all, be strong and courageous, Joshua. You know, it kind of said that at the beginning. Wasn't as intelligible as what I just said, but anyways, you get the point. I invite my friends over, and these are unsafe friends, and they're like, oh, this seems like a cool game. And then you go through the levels, and you like push rocks and stuff, and they're like, well, what in the world's a lying Gibeonite? I'm like, don't worry about it. They're bad guys, all right? You know? <laughs> like, weird names. Like, I play Mario, and it's a Goomba, but this one's a Gibeonite, okay? All right. Canaanites, cool, all right. There's a lot of ites in this game. I'm like, yeah, yeah, go with it. And so then we, you, you pass a level, you pass a couple levels, I think, and then you get to this screen where you get extra points for ask, answering Bible trivia. And my friends would be like, this isn't fair at all. I don't know any of these answers. And it wasn't like, does Jesus love you, true or false? It was like, when Joshua entered AI, uh, what, who was the guy that, that messed it up for all of them? And, you know, they're like, I don't know this. I'm like, it's Aiken. Put Aiken down. I mean, how are they going to know that? Most Christians didn't know these answers. So they're sitting there. Do you know what? They were not impressed with my knowledge. A little bit irritated with my, the fact that I had an upper hand on them. They, but they didn't go away, what must I do to be saved, Jonathan? They didn't say, oh, you've really touched my heart by beating me at this game. Because I don't go to your church. It, it, my knowledge meant nothing to them, right? It meant nothing to them. So if we just rolled up the book, put the scroll on the shelf and said, we learned t new things today and we have new memory verses, that's not going to change the world. What's going to change the world is that you received it as a word from God and now there's power from receiving that, that you received it by faith. As the Bible says that you, in your hearing, you mix it with faith, that you hear this is what God can do and now you live it out. So as you go into a world that's, that, that's ready to test what you just heard, you're going with new tools. You're going with new power. You're going with new weapons. And when you go into the world, here's the last thing that he says. Here's the blessing. And I mean a blessing. I mean you should receive it as such. Here's what he sends you out with. Grace be with you. Now, every situation I walk into, I'm not walking alone into the situation. God is walking with me. The power of God is with me. The anointing is with me. The spirit of God is with me. The word that I received is working through me. So now I can go and do what Jesus did. That's what it means to have the grace of God with you. It's as if Jesus himself were holding your hands and your arms and working right through you. It's his spirit that he left you. That's his word that he left you. It's so powerful because let me just, just say a few more things. When Jesus left, right before he left, he prayed that awesome prayer in John 17. You guys know it? Some of you, if you don't, go back and read it. John 17, he prays a prayer where he says, he, he's talking to the Father, and he's, he's entrusting his tribe, his disciples. He says, I, I'm, I'm, here's what I'm asking for them. And he, he talks about, Lord, the love that you loved me with, you've loved them with. I gave them that. He said, the words you gave me, the word you gave me, I've given them. Have you ever thought that everything that Jesus did 
was done by the word of God. When he healed people, he spoke and they were healed. When he cast out an evil spirit, he spoke and demons left. When he cleansed the lepers, he spoke and they were cleansed. He was speaking the word of the Father. He said, you gave me that word and now I gave it to them. The spirit you gave me, giving to them. The love that you love me, love them. As you sent me, I've sent them. Jesus is saying, everything that made me who I am, I gave it to them. And you should have the confidence that Jesus had walking into Galilee, saying, because listen, what, is, what, is, what did Peter say about Jesus? He said, you guys know, when he talked to Cornelius, he said, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were pressed by the devil. Why? For God was with him. Guys, this is why you can do all those things. This is why you can be anointed with the Holy Spirit with power. Because he told you you should be. This is why you can go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. Why? Because God is with you. May the grace be with you. And can I encourage you, incorporate this into your vocabulary as we speak to one another. This is not something that only certain levels of people are allowed to say. Freely you've received, now freely give. And I think in the act of giving, you open yourself to receive even more, right? As you start loving, your capacity to receive love increases. The more you give it away, the more you're able to receive it. The more you forgive, the more you're aware of how much you've been forgiven. And vice versa, the more you're aware of how much you've been forgiven, the more you can forgive. Right? The more you know how much, listen, understanding grace is understanding that everything I do started with him. He's always made the first move. So when this word comes and I say it's grace to me, can you say this to each other? Can you say things like Jesus told us to say and he taught his disciples to say, peace be with you, grace be with you, the love of God be with you, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. I know that when I say it like that, it sounds kind of like you're going to an old school church service where most of the stuff was in Latin. But what if you brought it into your world and said, this is not fancy church language. This is God's word. And your friends, look at your, your church buddies. Church buddies. I'm not talking about people that don't know Jesus. I'm talking about, you know, Levi and Anita. You're over at their house. And you leave and you go, peace be on this house. And they chuckle because it sounds like you're trying to be a fancy priest or something. But you know what? We'll get over the chuckling. What if you really left peace at that house? What if, you, what if you said to someone, hey, Paul, uh, we're leaving. We've had a great conversation. Grace be with you. Are you trying to be spiritual, huh? <laughs> trying to show me up? Trying to sound like a super Christian? Let's just assume that we're not doing that. Let's give each other the, the, give each other the grace to say, uh, you're not trying to sound phony. Can we say it for real? Like, what if you really bless somebody and said, may God's grace be with you? Hey, you know what? Change the wording to fit your wording, right? Yeah. 
It doesn't have to be fancy. You know what? I, you, you, even if it's a five-second prayer, even if you're just saying, you know what? Can I, can, I, we're about, I'm about to leave, but in Jesus' name, may the grace of God go with you today, no matter what you do, no matter where you go. May God's grace go with you as you go, and the power of God accompany you, and the presence of God surrounds you in Jesus' name. And, and oh, man. In those moments, we're changing someone's day, but we're changing lives. You go, well, I just feel silly. I think that they'll think I'm... No, don't worry about what they think. Eyes on him. What does he think? He's pleased when his people start acting like him. When his kids start imitating their dad, he thinks it's the best thing in the world. I love when Moses just tries to do what I do. I love it. You know, he's his own kid, but isn't it the coolest thing when your kid sees you do something and then they try to do it? And that's what the Father wants us to do. He's not asking you to do anything he's not doing. Like, he's not asking you, like, you're not coming up with this stuff, and that's what the devil will always tell you, right? Well, that came from you. You'll have that thought, like, Maybe I should do that thing that Pastor Jonathan said. Maybe I should bless them as I go. It's probably your idea. They'll think, you know, you're, you're just trying to sound spiritual. Or they'll think you're just trying to sound spiritual. You know what? Just, just step back and go. Would God want me to do that? If Jesus were here, do you think he would do that? Do you think Jesus would be like, but I mean, I'm not, I'm just trying to be real. I don't want to sound like I'm trying to be super spiritual, but like, I feel like I should say shalom to you. Is that okay? <laughs> right? Like, what if he's like, I know I'm at your house, and, like, I know you guys invited me, and I don't want to be, like, look, I'm just a construction worker, really, so <laughs> just a carpenter. I make furniture. But, like, is it okay with you if I just say blessing to your house? Like, I'm not trying to sound like a Pharisee. You know what? <laughs> Do you know what? He was so secure in his relationship with the Father can, can I just say something, and I promise I'll wrap it up. Jesus did not come and try to live like Jesus. Jesus didn't say, I need to try to be like me. He came to show the Father. So when Jesus walked, he said, I want to do everything that Father does. And when he felt compassion, compassion is the demonstration of the Father's love through us. That's all you need to do. Amen. You just need to be like the Father. And when you receive from the Father, when you receive that grace so free, in every area, you receive grace. Now you give grace. You receive love, I give love. You receive healing, now give healing. I mean, this is it. And maybe the first thing we need to do is learn how to receive. So at the first part of the letter, grace to me. Okay, grace to me. Maybe you just need to say that before you open your Bible. Grace to me as I read this. I need to close it and go, grace with me as I go. Right? Because this is what God wants for you. God does not want you to just have 15 more memory verses in your belt. God wants you to be full of him. And he wants the world to know who he is through you. That's just the point of life, isn't it? Yeah. To show the Father to the world and to bring people back, you know? And, and I just love that we're not fighting God.
you are not fighting God. You are going with him. He's going with you. And so let this word be grace to you tonight. I, I pray that uh, whether or not we come back and try to review this book uh, of Colossians, I don't know. But uh, what I want to leave with you as we've read this letter through is may everything, if you're thinking back to all the things we've learned as we've gone through this on Wednesday night, let it be grace to you. Let it be empowering to you. Let it be what God can do through you, for you, around you. Never read the Bible and say, what should I do? Although that's, that's valid at some point. But f- the first thing you need to see is, what can God, what is God, what has God done? All of these things. And when I say, what should I do? It's merely me joining my faith with what he's already done. So when the people said to Peter, well, what must we do to be saved? They didn't save themselves. All they're asking is, how do I receive what he's given me? How do I receive what you just told me about? They received the word and they said, well, what must we do? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord.